Welcome to the Mind on My Money podcast presented by Pinnacle Trust. Hosted by RebelGrove.com publisher Neil McCrady and Pinnacle Trust financial guru Martin Palomo, the Mind on My Money podcast tackles the financial questions we're all thinking about. From paying for college to saving for retirement, from life insurance needs to 401ks and everything in between. The goal is to help you take the stress out of financial concerns and give you some tips to enjoy life while your mind is on your money. Now here are your hosts, Neil McCrady. And Martin Paloma. I'm Neil McCready, Martin Palomo with me as well as always today. Our guest today, Dr. Clayton Pitts. He is a uh, chiropractor, entrepreneur, a mobility coach, a jiu-jitsu coach. We'll talk to him today about health and wellness, how it saves money in your retirement years from medical expenses, improves quality of life, which seems to be something that people would want. Although here lately, I kind of question it. Uh, we'll also talk about his uh, Harder to Kill campaign during COVID, where you can take your odds of survival from like 99.7% to 99.8 or 99.9%. <laughs> <laughs> who, who wouldn't want that? And uh, we'll, also, uh, we'll also talk about his business, uh, how he grew it through the years, what he does to develop new clients, marketing, that kind of thing. So if any of that uh, applies to you, and if you're alive, it does. <laughs> Uh, you'll enjoy this podcast. We'll get to it in just a moment. First, I'm going to tell you that I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios. Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi. 662-257-1900 is the number. Call it. Ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for, and he'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. It's really that simple. You call. You get a quote. Once you get the quote, Corey's going to wish you a good day. And he's going to hang up the phone. And at that point, it's up to you. I have people going, well, if I call, he's going to keep harassing me. No, he's not, because then that's him wasting his time. And the whole reason that he does it this way is so that he won't waste his time. He'll get you a quote. It's going to get right to the bottom line. That quote's going to do one of two things for you. It's either going to serve as a benchmark for you moving forward with somebody else. He'll never know it. It'll be like if your ex-girlfriend starts dating somebody else and you don't know it, it doesn't hurt. So he, he won't know. He won't know that you bought a Hyundai or a Honda or a Chevrolet. He just won't know, and he's not going to harass you with it. But you might end up going, it's actually a pretty good quote, and you'll come back to Clark Ford. You'll say, does that quote still apply? And he's going to say, yeah, I wouldn't have given it to you otherwise. And so then what you'll do is you'll end up making your deal at Clark Ford. You'll love the product. Take it from me. I've got uh, We've done it three times now. I'm in a Clark Ford. My wife's in a Clark Ford. One of my girls is in a Clark Ford. Great service after the sale. They take great care of you. They work around your schedule. Uh, You'll love the product. All of those things. Corey always says he wants to be your car guy and he wants to be your truck guy. And he'll prove that to you when you make the call. 662-257-1900. And Martin, before we get to our friend, Dr. Pitts, why don't you tell the people a little bit about Pinnacle Trust? I am definitely going to do that, dude. But Neil, I'm going to record an interaction of a client and myself, and I'm going to make it silent and I'm going to send you the video and I want you to do the overdub of what potentially could be <laughs> being said there. Cause that's going to be, that that's going to be our new, that's going to be our new video, our new marketing video for, for pinnacle. Okay. I'll, I'll be happy to do it. <laughs> all right, man. Uh, all right. So glad to be back on. Um, we have the last several weeks we've kind of talked about, different areas, different segments of the pinnacle business. Um, and we, we've talked about corporate retirement plans. We've talked about the investment management piece, um, last week. And, you know, we did talk about the planning, which is actually the most important 
part of what we do um, with our clients. And, you know, I'm going to hammer this just a little bit today because it really became apparent with, with a client this week. Um, we had a client that, you know, like a lot of other folks since March, everyone has, or I'm not going to say everyone, a lot of people have gotten um, the idea in their head that, that they can trade and they can day trade and they can make money day trading, which, you know, and since March hasn't been difficult to do because most all stocks have, most all stocks have risen some more than others since March 23rd. Um, and it, it became apparent to me that I had not done a good job of communicating with this client because he was asking us to do trades. Our compliance department was a little nervous and he told me, I thought you were a stockbroker. And uh, it became very clear that he had, he did not understand what it was that we do because we are not stockbrokers and our, uh, our fiduciary care to our clients does not allow us to be a stockbroker or stock pickers or, or day traders or gamblers because ultimately at the end of the day, uh, we are on the hook for gross negligence. So if I trade with a client and he loses all of his money, even if he calls me and says, I want you to buy all these stocks and they all lose, he still has the ability to go to us and sue us for, to get his money back for gross negligence. The gross negligence piece being that I allowed someone who uh, does not know what they're doing or have any experience trading to to direct the investments in his portfolio that I am responsible for 100%. So, you know, the thing that we really do a good job of is trying to, we try to set plans that are realistic, goals that are realistic with clients on achieving different things. Sometimes it's retirement. It may be getting out of debt quickly. You know, it may be paying for kids' college. It may be a, a multitude of different things. And then we set investment policies up to be able to match the, the match the plan in a, in a successful manner. So I wanted to kind of nail that, drive that home a little bit. So if you've been doing it yourself, and a lot of people have been day trading themselves since March, at some point, uh, the pendulum's going to swing, you're going to get cut, an arm's going to fall off, a leg's going to fall off. And if you want us to help, uh, you know, take the ball from there and and create a plan and uh, stick to something that we know is going to have a winning chance over a long term, give us a call, 601-957-0323. You can reach us uh, through email, info at pintrust.com, or, uh, you know, you can find us on social media, either Facebook. Um, you can do find us through the Pinnacle Trust page, through the Mind on My Money page. Uh, you can get us on, on Twitter. We're, we're real active in both areas. And um, be happy to have a conversation, see if it makes sense, and, uh, you know, and, and take over the planning piece for our client. So I'll, I'll stop there because, uh, I'll end hey, up can I tell you, can I tell you a funny real quick? Yeah, absolutely. Dude. To, to, to prove to you, that, to, to prove to you that people need people like pinnacle trust to do this for you. And, and, and please, and you know, me. free plug. Yeah, this is, this is free. So recently just for fun, I put just a little bit of money. I mean, I'll tell you how much I put $600 into a E-Trade account just to play. So worst case scenario, I'll end up losing $600. Um, yep. You know, best case scenario, I turned six hundred dollars into eight hundred dollars. I mean, that's or twelve. Right? Yeah, well, yeah, whatever. It's just I kind of did it for fun a little bit. But anyway, the point is, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I'm. It makes me kind of nervous, and so I'm much. I'm much happier that I have professionals handling real money that has real ramifications and that really matters, as opposed to me trying to do that for myself, where. 
I'd look up and I'd have no retirement. I, I, you know what I mean? I mean, yep. I, it's it's fun to put just a little bit into an account and go play. It's kind of sure. like it's kind of like saying I'm going to go to the casino. Here's the deal: I'm not taking my credit card. I'm I'm going to take two hundred dollars, and when that two hundred dollars is gone, I'm done. Okay, I mean, you know, yeah, you're blowing the money, but you can justify it by going. I I would have spent that much at a dinner or whatnot. Yeah. Absolutely. So, you know, if you put a limit on something, you can always make a justification for what it would be. But but if you're just going in blind, you could get hurt. So anyway, yeah, that's, and man, we're not that's a, my plug. And we're not opposed to clients doing that, too. We'll tell folks all the time, hey, take 10% of the portfolio and go to a, you know, an E-Trade or a Schwab or somewhere where you get commission-free or Robinhood is, you know, the new app. Um, you know, you get commission-free trades. It's going to be a lot less expensive to do it through that platform, then then do it through me. Mine's going to be like the, you're, you've paid for a Cadillac when you need a Hyundai, um, you know, go get the Hyundai, go get, you know, a low cost uh, means of doing it and have fun, man. And if you lose it, then you say, Hey, I lost that. It sucked, but it didn't kill my, you know, retirement goals where, yeah, yeah where a lot of people will just kind of want to trade their entire portfolio. And I mean, and essentially that's no different than, walking into the casino, putting it all on black and hoping that, hoping that it goes your way. Anyway, I'll right. get off that. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I just was pointing that out because I know there's people, I can't imagine the people that are out there with 100% of their portfolio and something that they're trying to do themselves, man, especially like in as, as volatile as market. Yeah. As markets are right now and as volatile as they could get here at the end of this year. Yeah. Well, dude, and that's, and that's why it's, it's easy for people to get sucked in. Cause when markets are volatile, that's where you can have the, you know, up 20% days, you know, and up and, and single stocks, you can have that stuff. But when markets are normal, that doesn't exist. You can't, it's, it's harder to day trade in normal market environments. Anyway, I'll get off my soapbox. Okay. So, uh, Dr. Pitts, welcome into the show. Thanks for putting up with us for the last few minutes as we <laughs> solve the world's problems. Yes, sir. Thank you for That's what me. we do here, man. We just solve, we solve the world's problems one week at a time. Um, how are you, first of all, and, and welcome into the show? Doing well. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. We're going to solve some more problems about the body here in a minute. That's right. That's right. So, I, I'm, a, I'm a workout guy. I just started going back to my gym. My gym just reopened fairly recently. I had to wait a little while. I waited until... My daughter was back in, in school uh, because I didn't want to run the risk of, of getting COVID. And then I was the reason that she couldn't do Rush or all of that stuff that she wanted to do. Right. Um, so anyway, I'm back in my gym a little bit. I'm not going to lie and tell you that I'm not complete. I, I'm, I'm a little more of a germaphobe now, probably at the gym <laughs> than I used to be. But but uh, I, I stayed on my Peloton. I just just Saturday is a, is a sad end to a streak. Saturday was the I was in uh, Jackson, Tennessee at my son's soccer tournament, and I did work out, but I didn't do a Peloton app workout, and it ended about a hundred and thirty day streak of me for uh, Peloton app workouts, whether it's on the bike or running or, or uh, core or cross training or, or whatever. So that was the end. I had a had a slack day on Saturday, so I'm, I'm back now. Today will be day three of, of a new streak, so I'm completely in on on what your uh, what you do, because there's no question that in this, in, in this pandemic, health has been a, a major factor. The healthier you are, the less susceptible you are to a bad outcome. I know that many of our friends in the media don't like to uh, to spend a lot of time on, on that narrative, but that it's fact. And um, and then just for 
beyond just long-term health. I, I think I'm a firm believer, and I suspect you are too with jujitsu and that kind of thing. I'm a firm believer that there is a tie between physical health and mental health. 100%. And, uh, you know, I hate you broke your streak because on the leaderboards, that's really going to knock you down on the Peloton, you know, deal there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I can already, I'm already getting fewer virtual high fives. <laughs> um, Bless it. You know, I mean, just, yeah, it's, it's, it's been, it's, you know, whenever you lose something, there's a mourning process, there's yeah. some stages of grief. And I'm in the, I'm in the acceptance stage right now nice. that the streak is over nice. and, and that, and that this is an opportunity to start a new one. So I'm, I'm slowly turning the corner to an optimistic thing. But when I look at my streak and it's just three days, I, I, I feel like a loser because at one point my streak was well over 120 days. And that was, that was nice. I think what you do is you self-loathe yourself into victory again by continuously talking bad about yourself until you <laughs> make the right choice. I think that's, yeah. that's the best way to approach that one. Well, I mean, I have been the guy. It's like the J.P. Sears idea of it. <laughs> yeah. How to win. I have been the guy. On a, I have been the guy on a treadmill that when I was marathon training, you know, and you have to do the long run. And people are like, "Why are you doing this on a treadmill?" Because like, I just don't want to do it outside. I'd rather do it inside. I can, I can binge a show for three hours and just run and, and let my mind drift off into nowhere land, which was kind of the point. But, but I have been the guy 14, 15 miles into a, into a run where I'm starting to not want to do it anymore, and I'm having to yell at myself, "Come on, fat ass, run!" And people probably think, man, he's nuts. And you're like, yeah, a little bit. A little but bit. It's working. It's working, yeah. A little bit. It works if you work it. So, I, you know, as far as uh, physical exercise, I mean, if you look at the human body and even the brain, the biggest part of the brain is designed to correlate the movement that you're trying to do and basically make that happen and then receive the stimulus from your outward environment. So we're designed to move, and the fact that uh, we got a lot of sedentary uh, people out there would explain, you know, a lot of the um, common reasons we get sick, and probably uh, heart disease being one of the biggest money-making things in the health industry that you can look at. It's a trillion-dollar industry. There's not a lot of other trillion-dollar industries, period, let alone in the health field. So the majority of the reasons uh, you get heart disease are due to diet, nutrition, exercise, um, and just being a normal human, getting sleep. Like that's, you know, do human stuff. You want to feel better, do what a human would do. And we got to look at that environment, how it was, uh, you know, 500 years ago. I was about to say, we going back to like caveman or yeah, well, the Athenians I mean, yeah, and I mean, just, Spartans and, you know, where you didn't, where you couldn't sit on a toilet if you made money sitting on the toilet and just be there all day long. Yeah. Right. Cause that's not what we'd look a lot different. Yeah, well, I mean, but dude, even sitting on toilets today looks a lot different than the way people pooped. Yeah, you know, five hundred years. Squatty potty, dude. I love squatty potties. But you talk about the knee mobility stuff, and I know I'm. I just went down a rabbit hole, but you uh, did. (laughs) But uh, but dude, yeah, a lot of it's we don't do the things that they did five hundred years ago. Yeah, and we're we're an adaptation organism, right? So we're gonna uh, respond to the stimulus, whether it's positive or negative. So if you sit your butt in a chair and you eat excess calories your like body responds yeah pizza by getting and... really fat and weak and then you wonder why it hurts to do just about everything you do versus if you take yourself and you eat real food and you go to the gym and you expose yourself to stimuluses that harden the body yep and essentially make yourself harder to kill and that's how it responds so pandemic non-pandemic regular life if you want longevity you want to feel good 
which this is a concept that people who exercise really understand. They gravitate to because I don't know many people who exercise who feel worse than people who don't. Uh, but it is, you know, inside the clinical uh, area, it is hard to get somebody to understand that that doesn't exercise, yeah. that, that doesn't have that foothold in their life to tell them, hey, do something hard and it'll actually make you feel better. I know it's weird. No, dude, I mean, and, and I think a lot of us are programmed, especially. And so, like, for me, I have an office job every day. Um, you know, most of my what I do on a day to day basis is not very active. Um, so it's it's the extra efforts outside of the office, um, you know, that I that I I really need to focus on to, as you say, stay harder to stay harder to kill. And those something you just said too. On and I want you to talk about it a little more. So you said eating uh, like whole food or real food versus like. Process, going to McDonald's yeah. process or even, I guess maybe even process stuff from the from store. the grocery store as a lot of, and that was where I think I got would, I would get messed up. I'd be like, all right, I'm going to go to the grocery store. I'm going to buy food. So I'm automatically going to be eating better than, you know, if I'm just getting dominant, which d- dude, you leave me to my, if I'm hungry, got to make a last minute decision and, and I'm not well prepared. Domino's is about to be sitting in front of my face and, and I'm gonna eat the whole thing. Medium pepper. I know I'm going to get a lot of crap for what I'm about to say, but medium pepperoni and pineapple. I know people very divisive on pineapple does not belong on pizza, but that spicy and sweet, it does a good thing. Mm-hmm. And I like the whole thing, dude. All what? Probably 2000 calories, 1600 to 2000 calories. Worth of calories. Yeah. And, well, uh, well, I think, you know, if you're looking at macros, you know, and eating processed foods, if, if you had to survive, just the calories will get you to the next day. Right. But when we're looking at health, we need the um, micronutrient content. So if it's processed, those uh, flavonoids and antioxidants and all the good stuff, the vitamins A, C, E, D, and so on, they don't really survive too well in the processed state. And they don't really um, add the taste that a Pop-Tart would have. Right? Yeah. So, but our human body really loves those things. And if you go back in time again, this kind of circus wheel that we're going to keep on doing to... <laughs> what a human actually should have right. was already on the planet when we were here. Since uh, I think most believe we were born in the planet, right? We were here. Yeah. Some of us, do. some of us, unless yeah. you listen to coast to coast AM with George Norrie. Yeah. And then it could be outer space stuff. Yeah. So, but I don't think we have any of that here to my knowledge. <laughs> so we're going to go with what's on the planet. Right. right. And, uh, necessarily what grew from the planet. And it's, it's very nice. It's, it's packaged in its own little to go box most of the time with a banana peel or orange rind. And it's yeah. can fit in your backpack or your truck and you just go and when you're hungry, you put it in your mouth and eat it. And it comes down to choices. But I think, uh, when you look at here in Mississippi, 40% of adults closer to probably moving towards 50% are uh, obese. And in the next 20 years, we're probably going to see 40 to 50% of youth being obese. Yeah. So there's a genetic correlation between obese parents and having a obese child. It seems to be easier for the child to become obese through the genes, not necessarily through the diet gotcha. to become obese. So they're starting to make those correlations. Um, now if you look at the nature versus nurture and we say, okay, what are the parents doing? What if the parents are eating this crap, the kids are more than likely going to be, gonna, yeah, cause they don't have any control. They don't have the choice yeah. and they don't know, right. They don't have the education and it is an educational issue overall. I would, I would assume uh, it's an economic issue overall I sure. would assume for, for some, but, um, 
that's leading to a lot of the health crisis that we're having, you know, heart disease, diabetes, obesity, all of those things are, um, a lot of it starts with nutrition. Yeah, it does. The nutrition and, and just trying to check some boxes. So let me, let me, well, it's that thing, right? It's that thing about, it's the thing about weight loss or, uh, you know, when, when someone says, Hey, I want to get, you know, I want to get, uh, washboard abs. Those are made. People always say, and it's true. You can't work out. Those are made in the kitchen. And then secondly, you can't out exercise a bad diet. I mean, I guess you could, but it would be super hard. You'd be doing a lot more work for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, there is something to be said. I learned this as a former really fat guy who is no longer as fat. Um, you, there is, it is calories in calories out to a certain degree as it pertains to weight loss. And, and then, and then you're exactly right. Then you get into the quality of your calorie. Yep. You, it's about eating for fuel and, and not eating for pleasure. And which is a weird thing in our society because we're so wired to associate food with reward and food with happiness and food with celebration. And I'm not saying those, those are bad things, when it becomes every single day that you're eating for happiness and that you're living for the next meal and your entire day is, is, is built around what you're going to have for dinner and those kind of things. Those, in my opinion, at least are kind of traps to getting on the, on the wrong road as it pertains to your weight and that kind of thing. Yeah. We're spoiled, right? We used to, we used to eat to get something done the next day. And you know, something I kind of tell patients is like when you go and you're in an office office worker in that environment, yep you choose to eat a sandwich and whatever side and probably a soft drink or something like, well, that's enough to go running for two hours. Right. But you're going to sit in a desk. So for one, you know, our portions have grown over time as well. And you can just simple Google search. will will prove that to you, but better choices for what you're going to do. Right. And even on like when I broke down, like I do nutritional plans for people. And if I break down somebody's diet and say, here's your workout days and here's your non-workout days, well, if we're going to be get more data driven, then you're going to eat probably a little less on days you don't work out on versus days you do work out, right? Because you're going to need the calories to do the task, but also you have to recover from the workout. So moving from a scan, maybe a 300 calorie difference on day to day, if you're keeping up with your macros. So one, I got two questions or two questions and slash comments. I'm going to, well, I'm going to talk. I'm going to circle back to tracking, keeping up with your macros. And then two, I want to talk about the nutrition piece for people who say, Hey, I don't know how to do that. Or I don't know, you know, I'm not skilled enough to understand how to, to build, you know, a proper nutrition plan or proper macros or, or whatever. Cause I do think this, and this is all going to correlate into one of the things that we talk about with our clients is the cost of healthcare. And I mean, the cost of like long-term health events in retirement is the biggest potential torpedo to a retirement plan. So if you go into a long-term care facility and you need, you know, three, four years worth of care, you're talking, you know, four or $500,000 you have to come up with. And if you have two people that do that, you're talking, you know, 800 to a million. And most people in Mississippi, that is their entire That's it. retirement account. So I'm, I'm, this is all leading into that, what you do now, pays the dividends on, you know, what your health is like in retirement. But so for people who say, like for me, for instance, when I first started chatting with you, I told you straight up, Hey, I understand how to follow a training plan for the triathlon stuff. I get all that 
the nutrition piece was the thing I couldn't figure out. And I'm not the guy that could go into the grocery store and say, you know, I know exactly how much of this meat I need to get of these veggies. And you gave me some pretty, you know, easy ways to think about things too. But one of the things that helped was I started, and this is a plug and, a, and he's not paying us, but it was, it was really helpful. There's a dude out of Vicksburg who's, his name is, he goes by Fit Chef mm-hmm. and he does these, you know, healthy, non-processed, whole prepackaged meals. And they're not super expensive either. I mean, I spend the same amount if I went to Chick-fil-A and got, you know, a number one with a Dr. Pepper as, you know, uh, somewhere a four to 600 calorie, um, you know, meal. And they have larger portions that are a dollar or two extra, but that really helped me with making when I like was talking about dominoes. If I'm super hungry, I'm about to make a, not a good decision. So for people who don't understand it, do you think something like a fit chef or what programs are there out there where people who don't know or understand the nutrition piece where they can go get help there? Well, you know, I think you're going to pay to play either way you go on that. So, and that doesn't necessarily mean a monetary payment, like a time payment. So it's going to behoove anybody trying to go down the road of being healthier to just go ahead and put your learning cap on and say, Hey, I'm going to have to spend time learning how to do these things, learning what calories are, what type of calories are out there and, uh, making, getting some knowledge behind you on better choices, right? In portion size. So meal prep is an excellent way to decrease your bad choices because you're going to have the stuff hopefully available for you. And whether you get it from a outside source or a subcontracted source like uh, Fit Chef or even, and there's plenty of places online now to do it. And I wish this stuff was around like when I was actually bodybuilding because it would have been a lot easier to do the stuff right right yeah and and in the money side of it seven eight bucks gets you a lunch with 600 700 calories in it that are pretty good calories for you they're better than a burger you're not going to get so much saturated fat with this type of stuff it ends up being lean meats and vegetables so then you get your micronutrient content better choices all around but you don't have to do it for every meal you just pick that meal uh for me example uh breakfast i'm pretty routine during the week i'm going to eat some type of oats uh and probably a protein shake after 10 o'clock you know i fast for a little bit drink some black coffee in the morning Lunchtime is going to be the area where if i'm gonna make a bad choice that's where it's going to happen so you got to sit yeah, back from too. your you got to sit back from your day and say all right where is this stuff happening like my wife cooks generally during the week and she cooks pretty decent food so i'm not going to really <laughs> splurge on the on the on the dinner side and, yep. and eat the bad calories or excess calories and once you get to a maintenance phase, once you say, hey, I've, I've made it down this road and I feel pretty comfortable where I am with uh, the aesthetic of my body and all that, then you can afford to do kind of an 80-20 rule. You know, 80% right, 20% wrong. 20% wrong happens maybe a little bit more often than I may have more uh, energy or energy expenditure in a workout or more often during the week. But moving towards the maintenance phase, you do have to be strong mentally to, to make the right choices and not eat for the sugar because it tastes good. And yeah, it like I mentioned, like earlier, you know, we're spoiled. We like to eat for what it tastes like. You got to break that. And also you get, you're going to be hungry. It's okay. Drink you a glass drink of water. water. Yeah. yeah. Drink a glass of water, move on, get entertained for a little while, because if you're bored, you're going to put something in your mouth. So uh, meal prep is an excellent way to 
cut out one of your bad choices uh, during the day. And, you know, if you got money and you can do that at night, that's great too. Or you can spend some time on Saturday and Sunday and go get some chicken, fish, and some vegetables. Portion sizes generally should be about the size of your hand. So you get a meat that's five to seven ounces. That's the size of your fist with your fingers closed. And you pick some greens, right? And you, you try to get something that doesn't, like your greens will fill you up because they're light. Yep. Right. And then you can pick a starch, like a potato or something like that to get some carbohydrates in there. So you feel full, um, and mixing, you know, mixing your macros. So if you know that, uh, you're not going to be able to eat for a while, then you probably want to have some type of fat in that breakfast, right. To support you. So you won't go and snack and snacking is another way where we find excess calories. Snacking and condiments are really one of your two biggest you know, of adding calories to the diet that don't necessarily need to be there. Right. So like a little more empty or, or yeah, it's just cat. Yeah. Added calories. So, so nutrition is one component of it. And I'm, and I'm thinking with the long-term focus here with, you know, how do we, how do we stay healthy? So we stay out of long-term care facilities. And I realize sometimes there's Alzheimer's or dementia, something that has zero, you have no control over diet and fitness, whether you, you know, get or don't. And I, and that there might be some correlation there. I don't know. But, uh, so for the normal stuff, you know, heart disease, diabetes, things that take people out, we talked about the nutrition piece. Let's, let's talk about the exercise piece a little bit too, because mobility for long-term care is what's really important. Cause most of the time when folks are having to receive some type of long-term care, it's cause they can no longer cook for themselves. They can't bathe themselves. They can't transport, you know, to and from a bed or to and from a toilet. They need help toileting. You know, they need help getting dressed. So the body movement, the body is physically breaking down Mm -hmm. at that point. So I know you're a huge proponent um, of, of, of exercise and mobility and you're a mobility coach. Talk a little bit about, you know, not for the guys that are going out to try to bodybuild or these people who are trying to go out to be, you know, competition fitness people, but just the everyday person, how does exercise factor in and what realistically what does it look like for someone to maintain a a healthy routine of exercise you know let's start you know at at the younger side of things so functional training doing stuff that the body needs you need to kind of test you got to have a heart you know you got to have an engine (laughs) to be able to to move right so when we're younger we have this thing called the fitness pyramid it's got a couple layers on it so we would say you know Till you're like 25, that bottom layer, the biggest layer, the biggest time spent would probably be well served or suited working out your engine, right? Giving yourself some go. And then you can pick and choose your top tiers based on strength, speed, endurance, or whatever kind of funky stuff you're into uh, and train that stuff. But at a certain time, as we get older and we assume postures in the desk and we assume postures through life and the years add up, mobility then turns to be the bottom, right? Because in the beginning, if you don't have an engine, you can't train your other stuff. Right. right? So that's the cardio cardiovascular piece, training, yeah. right? You got to build and, the engine yeah. and then and, it, and that and you know, one big misconception with people with working out is you don't need an hour, but you need to be consistent. Yeah. So 30 minutes, 20 minutes, you can get stuff done 20 minutes. 
and start small. Small chunks lead up into a bigger success. You don't look at it and be like, hey, I'm going to run a marathon. Let me start running 20 miles tomorrow. <laughs> right? It's You're going to have to start adding yep. up mileage Cumulative. so you can add up the adaptation. Yep. Now, as we get older and, and moving towards mobility, we're going to get tighter. You're going to lose collagen. That's just something that happens. We get wrinkly. Right? You can't That's stop okay. that. Well, it, yeah. My wife would argue with you on that. Yeah, it may not be okay for some people, but it's a fact of uh, aging, right? And, and she has a solution for all the women that get wrinkles too. I bet she does. To my knowledge, right now we don't have the technology to stop that completely, right? <laughs> Correct. Right. We can kind of change the way it looks, um, but you know, we're gonna get older. We're gonna lose muscle density. We're gonna lose fat. We're gonna lose collagen, and postures make us tight, and your body adapts to sitting in a desk. So mobility then becomes the bottom of the pyramid. We're going to have to be able to move in certain ways to then train the engine. So then we can do the strength, speed, or endurance after that, right? So right. Uh, as we get older and in, and without out of the workout environment, that mobility does mean, hey, can I sit down on the pot? Can yeah. I do this? Can I do that? If you don't use it, this is a great adage, if you don't use it, you lose it. Right. Right. And we can see that in our human bodies, but also just look at a uh, grandma's old porch door that hadn't been open in like two years. It's going to make a lot of noise. Yeah. Creaking. Yeah. Squeaking. Yeah. But if you open it all the time, it wouldn't do that. Or if you upkeeped it with some WD-40, WD right, yeah. it might uh, be pretty loose and, and move. Yeah. So the biggest thing is daily buy-ins to the stuff that the human body needs that also work the brain it's it's so much more than just a physical thing because your cerebellum has to coordinate these patterns therefore you're pumping blood into your cerebellum and your cerebellum is getting the nutrition that's in your blood because now you're you got you're eating fit chef and you're choosing to eat vegetables and lean meats so the brain is becoming full right and 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 we you mentioned uh dementia and alzheimer's it does have a physical a aspect to it, and it does have a nutritional aspect, and there's a congenital aspect. Uh, but we're seeing Alzheimer's really rise and rise and rise faster than it has before. And we're seeing that also have a correlation. It may not be huge, but there is a correlation to diabetic type 2 and Alzheimer's. Really? Okay. Because you become diabetic type 2 by excess sugar in the diet. Right. And um, if you go back 30 years, uh, it would take you 60 years to eat enough sugar to ruin your cell's ability to take in sugar. That way it hangs out in your peripheral vascular system and oop, there goes your foot. Right. Now the youngest reported case, to my knowledge, which may be even younger by now, was a 13, 14-year-old girl that was drinking six or seven sodas a day plus other uh, foods, right, that weren't good. Dang. So it went from 60 years all the way to 14 years to develop type 2 diabetes. And there is definitely probably a congenital aspect in that with the genetics that would accelerate that process for certain people. But now, if you look at that, we're seeing the correlation between diabetes type 2 and Alzheimer's is not only is that sugar eating the peripheral cells in your fingers and in your feet, Sugar is one of the few things that crosses the blood-brain barrier, and that's a barrier to keep out viruses and bacteria out of your brain. So when you get um, a staph infection or a strep throat, it doesn't go to your brain and cause some really bad havoc up that makes there. Sense. Right? But sugar does. So sugar will uh, cross that uh, BBB, as we call it in the field, the blood-brain barrier. You know, B cubed. That's right. Yeah. Triple. Okay. <laughs> so um, you know, it crosses that, and basically, it does the same thing to the brain as it does to the peripheral cells in the body. It starts wearing it out and it starts eating it up stuff because sugar in itself is acidic. 
right? And if you want some proof of that, take yourself a good old Coca-Cola, pour it in a cup, and get you a rusty nail, drop it in there, come back about a week later, and it probably won't be rusty anymore because the acid of the Coca-Cola, and there's phosphoric acid in there too, uh, will eat that up. So probably shouldn't be in your guts. Yeah. Sorry, Coke drinkers out there. Yeah, Warren Buffett probably doesn't care about it. but No, he doesn't care because people buy Coke, yep. right? And he cares about what people buy. That's true. So And he's got enough money that yeah, he doesn't yeah. care. Well, anyway. He's going to make some more before he dies, I'm That's sure. True. A little bit more. <laughs> a little bit more. Uh, Neil, sorry, dude. We kind of hijacked the no, it's all good. I was listening. <laughs> the conversation. I was listening. Um, before I shift gears, Neil, is there anything you wanted to to jump in there and? No, no. I was, I was just I was just listening and, and kind of nodding my head in agreement. Yeah. As, as someone who's watched it, it's everything you just said was true. So go ahead, shift away. <laughs> awesome. Nailed Excellent. it. Yeah. One hundred. We got scores of tens. All right, so we've talked a little bit about, you know, how do we help? How do we be harder to kill, and you know, and keep people out of long-term care facilities? We talked about that heart disease is a trillion-dollar industry, and it's a trillion-dollar industry because there's a lot of it and a lot of it being treated. And of course, it is not cheap either when you have heart disease. So, you know, we've kind of we kind of hit the nail on the head there. We talked about. You know, you had this brilliant campaign um, that really I first saw, you know, you, you talking about it and you probably talked about it beforehand, but it really started ringing, you know, hitting the, the, the nail on the head when, when the coronavirus stuff, you know, kicked in and, you know, and being harder to kill. So it's like, that was a brilliant marketing campaign that you had there. Thank and you, Martin. <laughs> welcome, dude. Blow that head up a little <laughs> bit. But so let's also talk about that. You know, you're not, you're an entrepreneur as well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's a lot of people probably think Dr. P just, you know, goes in and practices and then, you know, you go home and you collect a paycheck and, and you're done, but you have staff issues you have to think about. You got to think about, you know, how did you grow the business from when you, you know, first got it, when you first started it. Plus you have, I mean, I know you have a family that, that you take care of, but you're also a mobility coach. You also do jujitsu as well. I mean, dude, you've got a lot of spinning plates and a lot of moving pieces going on. Yeah. There's a lot of moving parts. So to that, dude, I want to dive in just a little bit on, cause I mean, we are a personal finance podcast, which we did. We've talked a lot about the, you know, how health is important in, in keeping people, keeping people's retirement plans, you know, together without some type of explosion from a long-term healthcare event. But let's talk a little bit about how do you build a business? So, I mean, I know that you you're the owner of Norval Chiropractic yes, uh, Office in Flowood. You guys have then you have prehab the prehab clinic as well, correct? Right. And anything anything that I say, you correct me. Well, do when I'm wrong. And then of course your mobility coach with D1 of Jackson, and then you do jujitsu. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about let's talk about Norval first. Okay. So did you start practicing or did you start practicing with them and then? become owner or did you have, walk me through that story? What, what right. happened there? So I graduated and, uh, I was actually, um, so, you know, I like to uh, develop a plan, come up with an overall goal yeah. and then You'd be come a great up, client. Right. And then think about how to plan to get that goal. And if that plan doesn't work out, that's okay. Cause I can come up with a new plan. Yes. So uh, getting out of school, I, um, this kind of sound bad. I had a dollar amount that I wanted to make 
And I don't know if that was going to be an outward expression of my total being and, and all that kind of stuff. But I had this uh, number. And I was like, okay, I need to find a way where I can do that. Because I just went to school for almost eight years and I'm broke. Yeah. And you got, dude, you have, you had uh, student loans. I got student and- loans. I ain't made no money uh, since <laughs> Ole Miss. Uh, and I was a bouncer. So I wasn't making much uh, there. Um <laughs> So I needed to find a way to make money and, and get my loans going and, and start this life. And all my friends who didn't do the, the super long school have been really accumulating wealth and, and doing some pretty cool things. So that was uh, how I started with the thought process, uh, which led me to the next thing I wanted to do for myself um, was let's find a way to make that money, but also enjoy where I am yeah, with it. Absolutely. So uh, my brain said, hey, uh, you like snowboarding let's go do chiropractic somewhere where you can snowboard. That makes sense. Um, so I spent a couple seasons out in uh, Wyoming and Jackson Hole. So I call I call chiropractors out there, two of them, because that's the only ones that are there. And uh, they uh, both of them said the same thing. Hey, if you really, really, really like snowboarding and you don't like making so much money in the off season, this will be for you. But if you want to make money the whole time, but also snowboard – uh, this probably won't be so much yeah. for you. You can stay at home and you can take a trip and snowboard, which is what I've done. Yes. So um, my other thought was uh, Northern California, out in Colorado, anywhere there was mountains that would accumulate snow in the wintertime for me to snowboard. And Utah. pretty much, yeah, pretty much every doctor I talked to out there said the same thing. I was, uh, you know, he was willing to even interview me to come out there. One of my buddies was like, hey, why don't you talk to my family's friends who own this business? They're looking for somebody. And uh, so I did a little risk assessment. If I was to fail out West, uh, it cost me like five grand just to move back. Five grand I didn't have. Yep. Uh, and if I fail in Jackson, I can just move home to my dad's house. Right. And that wouldn't cost me much at all. And then I could figure things out from there. So risk assessment showed me that I was going to stay in Jackson. I met with the Norvals. I uh, worked with them for about a year, then uh, maybe a year and a half. They said, hey, if you stay with us uh, for another five years and we'll work out a, a payment for the clinic over five years, cool. and then you can be owner of the <clears throat> clinic as long as Dr. Norville can still work there. So uh, I said, well, yeah, let's do that. And I was doing pretty well. And uh, in terms of growing the business, uh, when I walked in there as an independent contractor, Dr. Norville was the only person there. And they were seeing 124 to 144 new patients a year on average. I just kind of looked at the books over the past four or five years and, and saw the new patients that were coming in, which isn't your, your best statistic on making money. It just shows you, you know, are you bringing new people that yeah. you could grow a referral tree from or something like that? Absolutely. Uh, so that's how I got there and started to uh, buy out that business over time. But so now I know I'm in this race for five years to buy out the business. It's going to be mine. So now I'm going to start working ways. I'm looking at the big picture. He was mostly uh, personal injury. So you get in a car wreck. You need uh, visits because you got whiplash. And you don't need uh, a bunch of uh, morphine. You just got some soft tissue stuff. And that's what they work on there. I like the sports, the athletics. My passion is in in that. I end up finding like-minded people like yourself that want to stay active, fit, and healthy. Yep. And when I tell you something, I'm not just letting a lot of hot air out my mouth and then you forget and go out the door because you want to get back on the bike. You want to get back to running. You want to get back to working out. So you're going to be like, hey, man, you know, I already paid him some money. Why don't I try some of the stuff he said? That, in return, keeps my passion high. Yep. So 
Well, uh, and dude, and and I know you can't. We won't disclose anything because of HIPAA. legal stuff. Legal stuff you have, but there are some athletes that if if you go to your Facebook page, that you'll see videos of of athletes that you work with, like you're working, yeah, you know, on them, and they are. Dude, you work with some like pretty high professional yes, athletes. Sir. Yeah, with, man. And without say, saying well, names and, and or anything. I think like if that. it's posted on Facebook, uh, people can see it. But, you know, a lot of NFL, you know, for the local people. So, yep. you know, I've worked on the local area, yep. you know, and, and, and that's one good thing about the mobility coaching at uh, D1, which is a training facility in Madison, that uh, when, when a football player, NFL wise, uh, gets done with the season it's off season their agent is tasked with finding them a training place facility that can do xyz workouts right so the agent yep. finds it d1 happens to be one of those places so it's not like i go to d1 to get my uh hourly wage yeah right i go to d1 for the uh for the professional at- yep. yeah professional athlete athlete network and uh you know it's a joy to work with those and i'm, I'm very happy that i've made it to that point um but you know they're here and they're not here Yep. They're not always around. They're out there doing their thing. But so, you know, I really, you know, and goal for me would be like, you know, working on a team somewhere. That'd be cool. And still having a practice. But the everyday people listen a lot better and I can keep my passion up. So back to the businesses, Dr. Norville's PI business, his networks are going to keep on going. Yep. And then I was tasked myself with building a practice that I really do enjoy coming to because I, you know, one thing, my mom and dad, my stepdad, all were in the finance industry of the car business, and it's good money, but, man, they work all the time, all the time. and it's not like they're 60, like, man, hours, you know, yeah. for, uh, Monday morning feels like Friday afternoon. I can't wait to start. <laughs> it's not that my Monday morning's that great, but I do uh, enjoy what I do, and I, I'm really happy that yeah. I was able to create that for myself and also make some coin. But uh, that was part of the process of buying out that business is having – Dr. Norville's independent business kind of working and then building my own self-sustaining practice with a couple avenues where I could refer patients to new doctors as I hire them. So I'll have the, the, the streamline of the athletics and the people that I'm really passionate about. And I still don't get me wrong. I still treat grandmas and I treat little kids and all kinds of stuff like that. But you treat me and I treat Martin, you know, he's, I just said that that's not a HIPAA violation. I said, no, he's, he's an expert athlete in his, (laughs) in his own ways. So, um, future but that was Iron Man Kona. That's right. Winner. But, uh, in my head. that was kind of how I went with building the business. Yep. And so we can kind of break that down on how I went down the roads to making it grow. So, uh, for the audience, you know, I started, like I mentioned earlier, maybe 144 new patients max before I got there and was working. And I think within four, maybe five years, um, it grew every year from when I started, but we've maxed out close to, I think maximum 844 new patients a year in the past three years, we've bounced around from 790 to 840. So, you know, those are new patients and it keeps me pretty busy. And it's to the point now where I'm for a new patient, I'm booked up for two, two and a half weeks at, yep. a, at a busy time. And uh, it's a blessing and a curse because I got people I know I want to get in and then they're not thrilled that they can't get in for two weeks, yep. but you know, it is what it is on that side. So the routes I take with that is, you know, for one practicing what I preach, right? Getting out there, doing it. And that's kind of where that harder to kill campaign was coming from. It started out on a weekend where I just posted seven or eight things from the stuff that I was doing uh, workout wise to the stuff I was eating to the supplements I was taking, even walking the dog and making that old man harder to kill 
and it really caught on. I got a lot of feedback from that. And that's one really cool thing about the stories is people can text you right on it, but also you can see the interaction. Yeah. And I had a lot of interaction on those stories. So I kind of went with that campaign. So social media is great. You can really, if you got the time, you can sit there and do a lot of stuff for free. The sponsor's not as good as it used to be. You got to pay a lot more to get it done. But I mean, you used to be able to sponsor an ad for 10 or 20 cents and, and make it run, yep. you know, five or six years ago. So uh, I did that. I, I do, I get out in the community. I work competitions. I also have a seminar LLC that I go out and I teach things, but I wasn't able to do that out the gate. I just had to ask a gym, hey, here's what I do. And the gym knew me. So I was like, you mind if I come do something like a bulletproof shoulders? Hey, you guys are lifting weight overhead and your shoulders are hurt. I'm going to sit here for an hour and a half and show you possibly why things hurt. And here are some ways to fix it. Right. And as I got immersed in that culture and built my own like education culture, uh, that was just another avenue for patient referral. So now I was able to get in touch with people that were just coming to pay a seminar for some random person. And now maybe they become a patient and stuff like that. And that's the same way I use D1. Yeah. And, and you've done this for some with uh, I know that COVID killed it a little bit, but going into offices and talking to, you know, Maybe as businesses that have a ton of staff that just sits all day, um, mm -hmm. you know, talking about how they can increase mobility and health, you know, inside of the office as well. Yeah, which I mean, you know, if you feel better, you're more productive. Yeah, right. Yeah, so, for uh, sure. Office ergonomics was another thing, and that came after the gym stuff, right? I kind of spearheaded the stuff that I really wanted to do. Yeah, and it's not that I don't like going to offices. It's just you know that's wasn't something that wasn't where I, I went directly at. Yeah, it right? just happened. So uh, moving forward from that. You know, using the uh, jujitsu and the exercise aspect as well in the gym, talking to trainers and, and networking all through that 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 whole uh, platform has been really helpful. And uh, after a few years, I was known as the CrossFit chiropractor. You know, if you got <laughs> any type of problems with CrossFit, go see this guy, and that did really well. Yeah. Uh, and by chance, you know, uh, CrossFit's not cheap. Right. Therefore, that clientele should have some disposable income. Uh, but in the long term of, of saving money over time and being healthy, like if your joints don't have full range of motion, but then you're loading your joint up and you're slinging weight around through it, you're kind of setting yourself up for some injury. So why not come learn yep. and start doing things on the front end, which is where the prehab business came from is, gotcha. you know, don't waste your time till you get hurt and you need rehab. Let's start attacking this thing from the front end and doing preventative maintenance by saying, hey, does your shoulder go past your ear? And if it does, then, yeah, you can grab that barbell and stick it on there. But if it doesn't, maybe you should do X, Y, and Z to ensure the safety of this or try this exercise instead. Yep. You know? I mean, dude, in preventative, all about preventing injury, preventing, yeah. and then maintenance. Mm -hmm. Sweet, sweet. Um, I know we're kind of bumping close to time. Um, Neil, before I, I know we've dominated <laughs> the conversation – I know uh, we are bumping against time. Do you anything you wanted to throw in or ask or? Oh, I've got comments? lots of I've got lots of questions about working out through injury and about running through injury and and from a training standpoint, how much pain is too pain too much pain yeah. that kind of thing. Those those are those are topics probably that require more time than we have. But those are things I'd I'd love to get him back on another time to discuss because it's. And then I think that's, that differs with age, and then uh, which leads me to another question. What age should young people start working out with weights? 
how should they go about that? You know, how much weight is too much weight for a young person, a 13 year old, a 14 year old? There's a lot of those kind of topics that quite frankly, are probably interesting to a bunch of people out there. Well, we can, uh, if we got time to do the, the young person one. That's a good one that, you know, I get asked a lot. So, okay. uh, you know, I'm also a USAW Olympic lifting coach. I got a lot of, <laughs> a lot of letters behind the name. Um, Alphabet soup. So, you know, and I, and I did my thesis at Ole Miss on Tommy John surgery. So in order for me to get into chiropractic school, they got, you got to get a recommendation. And the, uh, one of the doctors at the exercise science department said, Hey, if you do this, you got to do your thesis and then be a part of this study and I'll write you a recommendation. So, uh, through my Tommy John surgery, it was, uh, or, you know, my thesis about that, we found my research showed that America leads the way in the most occurrence of Tommy John's. And for people who are unfamiliar, it's generally a pitcher's problem in the elbow. It's that, the ulnar collateral ligament. Boom. And, uh, you know, here in America, we have a really, really high incidence of it, but we have other countries. And, and what I kind of narrowed my focus was the little, little league world series and the, and the countries that are most often in there. So USA, uh, Cuba, Japan, Mexico, and then I kind of set that data and looked at it and saw that America's leading and other countries don't have half as much as we do, and why? So that leads you to the question, yeah. so the why. Well, in America, you know, uh, we th we think to make it to the next level that, you know, you just baseball all year round, you know, to get better at it. And what other countries do, because soccer's the biggest sport in the world, you know, Japan plays soccer in the offseason. Mexico plays soccer in the offseason. Cuba definitely plays soccer in the offseason. And it gives you a different look. It makes you a better athlete, but it gives a throwing arm a break, right? So a couple of things here in America is we start throwing curves a little too fast and too soon, right? And we don't take breaks. And then we also use this kind of antiquated workout system where we use bench press as a marker of uh, throwing capability where it does not have any real benefit because you don't press a ball away from your body you use your rotational strength in your back to throw that ball hard that makes sense all right so those couple factors lead up into it but some different research i, I looked at and familiar with sports specific training particularly baseball or really anything is you let your kids play a lot of different things and it makes them yeah. better athletes right because it gives yeah, them a lot of, of different looks and a lot of different stimulus to train different parts of the body because still to this day, there's no perfect exercise. Right. Right. So when somebody asks that, I say, well, you got to do yoga. You got to do weight training. You got to sprint. You got to do nine things to be complete. There's not a perfect sport. There's not a perfect exercise. So you always need to cross train. And as a kid, cross training can just be different sports. Yeah, and you get different coaches too. Yeah. You learn different stuff from different people. Absolutely. So not a bad thing. Now, in, in regards to the, to the weight training, it doesn't stunt your growth. Right. You know, you can hurt yourself, yep. but with proper training, the load doesn't have to be that crazy. And the thing with like um, Olympic lifts and power lifts, they don't have to be heavy to be effective. You're trying to, it depends on what your goal is. Are you trying to be explosive? Well, then the load doesn't have to be heavy, right? Sure. So if you want better hips or you want faster shoulders, the move needs to happen fast. Therefore, the load can't be too heavy. And for a youth, weight training is okay. It does need to be monitored and coached. Right, you don't just need to go willy nilly in the garage and and go and like here in Mississippi, we're pretty bad about dad stepping in and be like, slap some more on there and get it off the ground. <laughs> yeah, um, rub some dirt in it. Yeah, and why my, my son, so my son wants to get into, he wants to get stronger, and he's at that age. He's, he turns fourteen in about a month. 
he he needs to get stronger. He's at that point where getting stronger, getting more explosive would make him, you know, a better athlete. And it's probably time. And you're exactly right. He's like, uh, I'll go to the gym with you, Dad. And I'm like, Hey, man, I I don't know that I know exactly what I'm doing in there. I mean, I'm I'm 50. I'm just I'm just trying to maintain my schoolgirl figure. I'm not I'm not <laughs> trying to get I'm not trying to get more explosive now. I mean, I don't you know. So I'm 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 probably going to hire him a, a trainer or whatnot at least to get him started so that he builds some good habits to get going. Mm-hmm. And and as a kid, you know, kids are going to get strong pretty quick. Yeah, uh, they also need the calories too. Yeah, right. So, but the training doesn't have to be super crazy. It doesn't have to be super heavy. They just need time in doing it. And you got to look at uh, what kind of benefits you're looking to receive from said training, right? W- where are we trying to get strong? So if we're looking at like leg strength, squatting's fine, you know, but the form's got to be there. And that's the kind of the thing with weightlifting and kids is there's not a lot of good coaching out there at that level to ensure that that form can be done throughout their lives. Because in the gym right now, if you go to the regular gym, there's not a lot of guys over 30 doing back squats, period. So, I mean, would you just go to a local CrossFit facility and see if they work with kids or? That, you know, they're individual owners. So there is no telling what type of skill each gym has gotcha. on that uh gotcha. that's that's a very complex question on, on finding the, the right because i mean i know a lot of like hunter owen's been a guest on <clears throat> several times and he's got you know crossfit gyms and a lot of their their guys are coaches that are running the sessions. yeah and, no and that would be a, a gym you could go to okay and, and be confident that they're teaching their they are actually teaching proper squat form and they've got one of an oxford i think they the do blue shark blue shark, blue shark. Mm-hmm. they sure do so you know they're all different and there's definitely some really great ones out there, a 100%, and, and in this local area. But, I mean, you can get on the internet and you can find some really bad ones, too, <laughs> right? So, I, I mean, actually, in Mississippi, the ones that I, I know, they're, they're all pretty good. But that's where you'll see somebody over 30 squatting, but you don't see them squatting in a regular gym anymore. And they generally say, hey, it's because I got bad knees. Yeah. And the, and the truth is, is you've just been using your knees bad improperly yeah. for so long that it hurts. And you can come back from that. I x-ray people all the time that say I got arthritis on my right knee and we take two knee shots right and left. All the arthritis is on their left knee and their right knee is the best knee they have. They just need to stretch. Yeah. That's not a bad, not a bad (laughs) suggestion. Neil, I know you are hitting a hard stop. Are you, do you have any other things you want to say or talk about? No, 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 I'm good. This was great. I'd love to do this again. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and look, Neil, if, if it makes sense to talk about the sports stuff on one of your other podcasts, I can, uh, if you wanted them as a guest on another one of your podcasts, too, just let me know and I'll, I'll hook you guys up info. Okay. Yeah. That'd be great. Sweet. Well, hey guys, thanks for the time. Really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Thank you. Absolutely. All right. That's uh, Dr. Clayton Pitts again. Uh, Clayton, I guess if anybody wants to get in touch with you, how would they do that? All right, so the office number would be 601-932-3855. You can follow me also on Instagram at at Pitts. Should be about the only one. And uh, we have a, print, a clinic page on there with a lot of free exercises. Anything on that page I have uh, issued to people I thoroughly believe in, and it is The Prehab Clinic. On Instagram. On Instagram. Cool. Sweet. Okay. Thank you so much. Uh, Martin, talk to you again next week. Yep. Later, Neil. That does, 
That does it for this edition of Mind of My Money podcast presented by Pinnacle Trust. Don't forget Pintrust.com. That's P-I-N-N Trust.com. Tell them that you heard about Pinnacle Trust on the podcast and you'll get 10% off your first year's fees. Until next time, for Martin Paloma, I'm Neil McCready. Take care.